Hi everybody, welcome back to the Babbling Bearded Biker podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and here comes this episode. Hello everybody, welcome back to another Babbling Bearded Biker podcast. So, in this episode I'm going to talk about something a bit different. I'm going to, going to be talking about the well-known, notorious, I don't know, um, whatever you want to call it, Antifa or anti-fascists. So it's something I've been sort of involved in over the past few years. Um, not so much these days, but I have been in the past. So I'm just going to talk a bit to dispel some myths and actually make people realise what this, wouldn't call it an organisation, collection of people actually is. So the definition from the Merriam-Webster uh, dictionary is a person or group actively opposing fascism. Pretty simple there and then. It was first used in 1932 um, by um, the Anti-Fascist Action, which was initiated by the German Communist Party to go against the Nazis in, 19, in the 1930s Germany. Now, now what, what, what is it? Um, so, over the years... Um, it's gone from being a good thing to a bad thing to a good thing to a bad thing, and now it's just stayed at a bad thing. With um, what's happened in America, the Black Lives Matter movement, the uh, Unite the uh, Unite the Right movement in Charlottesville back in two thousand and something, two thousand sixteen, I believe. So we're just going to go right back to when it actually started which was obviously 1930s Germany, and the anti-fascist action, which was formed, again, like I said, by the German Communist Party, was a multi-party. So not only did you have communists, you had um, trade unionists, you had students, you had you know, Jews, you had gypsies, anybody who was against fascism and Nazism. And that that's where we started, and it opposed the Nazis. Obviously, the Nazis took over and got into power, and you know we all know the history from there. But I mean, the Antifa movement was in Italy as well with Mussolini, and in Spain against Franco, and the uh, George Washington Brigade as well in the Spanish Civil War in the late thirties, and they were all vehemently anti-fascist. Now, the the modern conception of um, of anti-fascist is people who just go out and riot. But that's not strictly true. I mean, yes, there has been riots, but there's different parts of the umbrella of Antifa, which, which I'm going to talk a bit about on this episode. So Antifa has been in America, it's been in the UK, it's been all over the world. Anywhere where there has been fascism of any description, you will find Antifa. You'll find people who are against fascism, who are against hate and intolerance, who's against xenophobia, who's against racism, sexism, misogyny. And... I keep going back to the modern thing, but that is something I want to quite keenly dispel, is a modern idea 
of anti-fascism as a bad thing because surely being against hate and intolerance isn't a bad thing it's a good thing surely the hate and intolerance and xenophobia is a bad thing but you know so like i said it started in the mid late 30s in europe um when hitler and mussolini and franco were were in power and again it was predominantly made up of communists but there was other people involved in it and in nazi germany as well there was anti-fascist movements um before the i think it was the night of the long knives um the kristallnacht when hitler fully came to power and used his his ss and his brown shirts to take over um take over the the nazi party now the nazi or national socialist party i've i've seen on many 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 facebook comments oh you know that nazi means national socialists that means the communists well no actually hitler did hitler called it the national socialist party to bring everybody in before he purged them from the party now you know that's that's kind of basic history basic basic history people still believe that hitler was a socialist well i don't think he was i mean if he was a socialist there never would have been a holocaust or a t4 program for those who don't know what the t4 program was was um was hitler getting people into camps not just jews but homosexuals um people who were mentally or physically disabled now that's where the t4 program comes in they on the t4 program if there's anything which wasn't aryan race like a cleft palate or any sort of physical or mental disability they were gassed they were killed or they were injected you know and that that's not socialism there i'm not quite sure what that is apart from evil murder but you know that is what it is so you can't say that hitler was a socialist if he was doing that sort of shit um so obviously the second world war happened um not many people know this but there was in i want to say 1936 there was a march through a street in london called cable street um which was done by the british union of fascists so what happened in in cable street on the 4th of october 1936 was there was a march by the british union of fascists led by oswald mosley mosley sorry sir oswald mosley and um they tried to walk through uh, the east end which was a predominantly jewish area now all of mosley's men were jackbooted up and um they were sent thousands in black shirt uniform through cable street and um and they were going to have meetings along the way and the jewish people's council organized a petition calling it to be banned and there was 100,000 east londoners who signed that petition in 2 days and it it didn't work it was unsuccessful so they organized a counter demo absolutely absolutely and they were they they marched um 
but I mean the the figure of <laughs> the figure of people who were protesting this march was a hundred thousand anti-fascist protesters, and they basically got into it with six to seven thousand mounted policemen from the Metropolitan Police, whose whose job was to clear the road for for a march of two or three thousand fascists. And they weren't they weren't quiet about it, the fascists they were there, they were Nazi saluting and they just really weren't quiet. They were proud of it. Absolutely proud of it. So on Cable Street everybody joined in. Men, women, children, housewives were throwing chamber pots and the contents at these people. Um the police tried to clear a route with batons and horse hooves and the people fought back. We fought back with chair legs, um, sticks, rocks, marbles to slow the horses down. Um, and they stopped the they stopped the march and it dispersed in Hyde Park and over hundred and fifty demonstrators were arrested. And around 175 people were injured, including the police, women, and children. And the, the column of fascists was nearly half a mile long. But um, the uh, the police said to Mosey, "You need to leave because we cannot we cannot do this." And because of the um, the Battle of Cable Street, the Public Order Act 1936 outlawed the wearing of political uniforms and large meetings. Um, and there was loads, loads of stories about it. And I've been, I, I was part of the march on the 80th anniversary of Cable Street. And it was amazing, absolutely amazing. We had speakers from all over. Um, Jeremy Corbyn was there from the head of the Labour Party at the time. Um, he gave an amazing speech. There was the last surviving member of last last surviving member of the um of the battle who's now died I believe. Um he was a child in nineteen thirty six when it happened and he took part in it. Um and it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And if you can get down to Cable Street to see the Battle of Cable Street Muriel Mural, whatever you say it. Um, that is something to see. That is an absolute amazing, amazing thing to see. So it just shows that the, the feeling at the time was fascism bad, which it should still be. But unfortunately, times have changed. People still see it as potentially a good thing. Um, you see it all the time, you know, overt and covert racism, sexism, misogyny, xenophobia, all, all of that. People still do that to this day, even though potentially they could have had relatives who fought against them in Cable Street. So that was before the war. So obviously the war happened. Um, and the, 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 you know, obviously the war happened and, you know, the Allied forces against the Axis forces and all's well and good not really something that people don't realize is 
that even back in that time, back in the 1940s, segregation in America was still a thing. Um, there was a battle in a pub in England, as a matter of fact, and that was the Battle of Bamber Bridge, which I believe is in Lancashire. So basically what it was, um, so back in the American forces in the Second World War, they still had segregated regiments. So I think they were black soldiers commanded by white officers. And basically what it was, was some um, some black soldiers tried got into got into an English pub and they you know they were they went in there they were welcomed by the Brits coming in you yank you know all that sort of thing and then um the American mili- military police went went in and said I oh, can't be in this as a whites only pub and I think from from what I've read is that um, the British civilians, as well as the uh, black soldiers, um, who were who stood up and said, "No, this isn't happening. You're, you're not taking these these men, these soldiers." And one British soldier who was in the pub at the time challenged the American MP, saying, "Why do you want to arrest them? They're not doing anything or bothering anybody." And um, so the American MPs, obviously all white, went back to base, picked up another couple of jeeps, and um, came back with, you know, heavy-handed. And they came back, and they uh, they came back fully armed. And the some of the some of the black soldiers went back to the barracks, picked up the weapons and decided to fight. And, you know, I don't really, don't really, um, don't really blame him to be honest. And one man was killed, Private William Crossland. Um, he was shot in the back and, you know, unfortunately that's how it was in America at the time because there was still segregation. I mean, it's just wrong. And so, one black soldier was killed, just want to mention. Several MPs and soldiers were injured. And a court-martial convicted 32 of the black soldiers of mutiny, poor leadership and racist attitude. Oh, no. Of mutiny and various crimes and stuff like that. But poor leadership and racist attitudes across the MPs was what was seen to be the, the factor in it. So even even back then, there was still, even though they were fighting against Nazis, there was still an undercurrent of of hate and racism. And even though um, a lot of a lot of the war is seen as allied side, all for tolerance and diversity, etc., and the Nazi side was full of racists, it, it's not as clear cut as that. But unfortunately, we're heading back that way. We're heading back to people not caring that what they're saying is racist and um that's something we're going to cover in a minute so so the war obviously happened hitler killed himself good man um then then post-war you've got the communists one side and the western world the other side there's still segregation 
there's still overt and covert racism during that time. And unfortunately, these days, there still is covert and predominantly overt racism now. But, I mean, you had you had the communist one side and the Western world the, the other side. And there were still anti-fascist movements even then, West and East Germany, um, in the UK, Romania, Japan... You know, and it just it just carried on from there. Small little pockets at the time. It kind of died down a bit during that time. But what's said is wherever, wherever there is fascism, you will find an anti-fascist who is against that. So it didn't really come into the UK full-blown um, after the war until the 80s, until the punk scene came in. Because even though punk and reggae is sort of derived from black singers, especially reggae. It's from, you know, Bob Marley. It's Jamaican, predominantly black. And the punk scene takes from that as well. You can't be can't be a punk and be a racist. It just doesn't work. That's like hating gay people and having a husband, you know, a man having a husband. It just doesn't work right. It just doesn't sit right. But in in that punk scene... There was loads and loads and loads of white power gigs going on in that time. And so there was an organisation formed called SHARP, which is Skinheads Against Racial Prejudice, which is the anti-racist skinheads and punks, if you call them, who are against racists, against your white power gigs, against your neo-fascists, and, I mean, the original skinheads were black Jamaican, and that's sort of a massive influence. And Sharp came from the skinhead movement, much like the Trojan skinheads. And the skinhead, um, the sonic skinhead, the Sharp logo is a Corinthian helmet, which has got skinheads against racial prejudice around the outside. I've got a beard, I can't be a sharp. Um, and boneheads is what they call, the, you know, the fascists, uh, the fascist punks, because it's just, it doesn't work together. And that's your, that's your nasty sympathizers, your, your screwdriver, your, um, I think his name's Ian Donaldson, was the leader with that band. And I've listened to some of his songs, and they're all about killing the black man and, various racial terms, which I'm not going to repeat. And you just look at it and you think, what are you doing? Why Why do you hate these people so much? Why Why do you hate another human being so much just because the colour of their skin or where they were born? And the Sharp Movement, they stopped the gigs, and it was a lot more violent back then. They used to just wade in and just beat the shit out of everybody. Everybody at them gigs... Because all you need to do is listen to one or two songs and you know they're bloody racist boneheads. And you can't go into a gig like that and not know. It's just, you just can't. It's, it boggles the mind, it really does. So we're going to fast forward a bit to getting closer to present day. So there's been quite a few in the last 10 years where political parties, I'm talking about English Defence League, Britain first, 
uh, UKIP to a stretch um, have had dealings and had anti-fascist protesters at the gigs. Uh, Nigel Farage got hit in the face with a milkshake. He's one of them. Um, Tommy Robinson, he got mullered with a milkshake. Now, it's quite it's quite interesting with, you know, these political parties. And they blame, oh, it's all anti-fascists, it's all anti-fascists. Well, shouldn't that be the standard? That people be against hate? People be against intolerance? I mean, I'm, you know, that, that, that I believe is the standard. I mean, I, I can't think of anything worse than hating someone because of the colour of their skin or what they call their gods or God or, you know, or who they love or what they do in their own time. I mean, I just can't understand the mentality. I really can't. I don't think I ever will. But there's been there's been plenty of protests I've been to. I do like a good protest, um, especially against this government. I absolutely love it. But, I mean, what this government is doing now is close to fascism. I mean, the rich people, well, fascism, maybe. It's not not far from it. Um, You know, we've got people using food banks. We've got a dying NHS. We've got people deciding whether to heat their homes or to get food. And that's... That's awful. It's capitalism, but it's close to fascism because the weak are dying. And I'm not saying the weak as in the weak-minded, the the ill people, the chronically ill people who, you know, are dying because, you know, they can't afford to heat the house. Um, If anybody wants to watch a bit of a tearjerker film, it's called I, Daniel Blake. And, I mean, I even brought a tear to my eye and I'm a big big bearded guy and that is how it is and that is how fascism starts it doesn't start in the, the camps, the concentration camps that's where it ends and it's just I'm going off topic so with the, the anti-fascist protesters um, wherever there is an organisation or a political party who are treating someone else badly because of who they are, their social standing, their race, their religion, their creed, their colour, their sex, their gender, you will find an anti-fascist protester. Even if they don't make it obvious, they they will be there. And with anti-fascists, as in modern times, they do cover their faces because the amount of death threats that have been received, I mean, I've received received a few for my views, and, you know, this day and age, take a picture of someone, upload it somewhere, there was a website called Redwatch, which listed pictures of people who've been on anti-fascist protests with their addresses, their workplaces, email address, Facebook, you know, Instagram profiles, or everything. And what would happen is they'd either get beaten up, which happened to a friend of mine, or they would lose their jobs or 
you know, just because of the fact that they are anti-fascists. I mean, if you go to any conservative, um, conservative party, not not Garden Party, we're a bit past that one. I, I think I covered that on my other um, podcast. Um, one of their conferences, you will find more than likely a protest outside, because anti-fascist isn't just against Nazis; it's against fascism, which was what this government is doing or getting close to. So, I mean, we're going to move over to America. I mean, with Trump, well. So glad that guy's out of power. So Trump made it open to be racist. He made it open to be sexist. I mean, you how he stayed in power without getting shot or impeached or whatever, I don't know. But I remember seeing one of his um one of his party conferences. Uh, one of his speeches, and there was a black guy there, and all these people turned on this poor man, and he had the crap being out of him. There was, I think, there was somebody recording it a few seats behind, and he, he just got jumped on, and he encouraged it. Trump encouraged it. He's like, "Yeah, get him out of my fucking speech," and you just think, "What is wrong with you?" Seriously, this, this poor bloke did nothing. And he was punched, he was kicked. And ironically, it was two black police officers who pulled him out of there. And it's just crazy, absolutely crazy. And it was made okay to be open about your hate and okay to be open about your your racism, like the Unite the Right rally, where, you know, there's literal armed civilians in this protest pointing weapons at the counter-protesters, threatening to shoot them, you know, and that's just that just says it all, really. And it's not just racism, it's also xenophobia. I mean, you've got the Muslim ban. I think it was Amir Khan, the world-famous British boxer who was denied entry to the U- US because he was a Muslim who'd come from a Muslim country and they wouldn't let him go home as far as I'm aware or come home back to the UK he had to stay in holding for for days I think it was before his lawyer managed to get there and sort you know this man's a British citizen let him out um you know you just you've just got to look at the Black Lives Black Lives Matter movement and what spurned that on more with uh, the George Floyd. I mean, yes, his reports, uh, he wasn't a very nice person, didn't know him personally, so I can't really comment. But I could only watch that video for two minutes, and I couldn't watch any more because I knew the outcome. And the fact that it took so long for the police officer to actually get done for that is just sickening. It really is sickening. I mean, I've never experienced anything like it. It's absolutely horrifying. And I spoke to a Jamaican guy who was a reggae singer who'd come to Norwich for a gig, and I was chatting to him bar afterwards. And he said something to me which shocked me. 
He was like, yeah, I got stopped five times on the way here when I was on the train. Five times. He stopped and searched five times. For, for what? Because he was black and he's a reggae. That was it. And each time they were letting him go. Each time letting him go. So, you know, it still happens. It shouldn't happen, but it still does. So, I mean, you've got a massive undercurrent of white supremacy in the UK and America where, you know, if you're white, you're fine. If you're black, you're not. And I have some colleagues who have had some horrific racial abuse, not just black colleagues, but Asian colleagues, um, Middle Eastern colleagues, people from all over the world. And the racial abuse ever seems sickening. I've kicked out a few people or got them kicked out because they've been racially abusive. Why do people think it's okay to racially abuse anybody in 20 bloody 22? I, I don't, I can't understand it myself. I really can't. And it's just, it beggars belief, it really does. To think that you could hate someone for the colour of their skin or, you know, because they're gay or because, you know, they're they're a Muslim or they're Sikh or etc. And I just cannot get my head round how people think it's okay, but it's been made to be okay. And that's something we as humans need to stop because we could achieve a lot more working together than we could working apart. So with so with that you've got um you've got the war in northern Iraq in Kurdistan. Now this is a bit of a bone of contention with me. So Kurdistan is a province in northern Iraq, southern Turkey, which isn't seen as a legitimate country by Western nations. So they were fighting against ISIS, against Daesh, a few years ago. And they put a call out to anybody who's willing to fight, to fight for Kurdistan against ISIS and Daesh and against Al-Qaeda. Now, I do know someone in Percy who went out there. And when he came back, he was detained under the Terrorism Act. And I think he was detained for about a week. And he he wasn't tortured. But he was investigated. His family was investigated. He, he's on terror watch lists. And but then a few weeks ago... You can go to Ukraine and fight for Ukraine against Russia. And you can come back, no questions asked. I mean, how on earth does that work? Because although Ukraine obviously is a, you know, legitimately seen country, you're fighting for another country. It's still, you know, because I know the people who will come back from Ukraine will not be subject to the same hardship that he was and it's just it's just crazy i mean these people are fighting against a terror organization but when when they came back to the uk they were labeled as terrorists and it's just wrong absolutely wrong and you you see it all all over social media and that's you know that leads on to the problem of social media people believe 
that they are free to say what they want, free speech on Facebook. And I've seen some horrific things that people have posted. And I've looked at the profiles and I think it says here you're a bloody teacher. Or it says here you're, you know, you're a nurse. Or you're a policeman, you're a fire officer. Okay, maybe not fire officer. You know, or you're, you're a special needs teacher. Like dinghies crossing the British Channel. You know, I'll just give them, I'll give them a burst of a machine gun, that'll sort them out, I'll let them drown. They're, they're fucking human beings. I can't, I can't understand people's mentality. I really cannot understand that. And like the lifeboats, you know, the RNLI, they were going out and rescuing these poor buggers from the sea. Then when they got back to base, there was people there protesting against them, helping people get out of the sea, which is kind of their job. It's just kind of their job to save people in in sea. I, I thought, you know, I thought that's what a lifeboat did. But they're protesting that these people come in were, you know, were um, were English. They were they were immigrants. But I mean, they're, they're put up in accommodation until they get a visa, until they you know claim asylum. But now Piri Patel has kind of decided to send send these poor buggers to Rwanda, bloody Rwanda. I mean, human rights in Rwanda is awful. Absolutely terrible. Why Rwanda? There is enough empty houses in this country to house every single one of them refugees. We have taken, compared to other countries of the same size, we have taken about 1% of what some of them have. And to be quite honest, I can't see why they'd want to come here anyway. I mean, talking about racism, fascism, you know. And, I mean, the irony is her grandparents or parents, come not which one, were immigrants. But the difference was they came in with money. These poor buggers haven't got any. And it happens, it does happen, you know, illegal immigrants coming over here, taking our jobs, taking our benefits. Well, if they're illegal, they're not entitled to any benefits. And maybe you should be speaking to the employers to say, why are you employing this man? He, he's illegal. Well, because I only get to pay him £2 an hour. Well, pfft, that's your fucking problem then, isn't it? I mean, after Brexit, I know that there was fields in Lincolnshire which the produce was just dying in the field because Brexit had come along and said, right, you need to get everybody out. So they did. And the fields of produce were just dying because the nobody wanted to do it. So you can't say you don't want illegals or refugees coming into this country and working and working damn hard. You get them kicked out, which is what people want, and then moaning that there's not enough bloody, you know, not enough strawberries because they're all dying in the fields because all the immigrants who do the shitty jobs that no one else wants have, you know, have been been sent on their way and again the whole thing just completely boggles me it really does 
and with xenophobia as well against Muslims. I mean, Muslims are the new hated people. It was communists, it's not Muslims. Um, before that, it was Jews, I believe. I, the only way that I see any Muslims any different to anyone else is the fact they do Ramadan and they fast. I couldn't do that. I really couldn't do that. But that's up to you know, that's up to them. And some some of the doctors I work with are Muslim, some of the nurses I work with are Muslim. You know, it changes absolutely bloody nothing. I mean they're still brilliant staff, absolute cracking staff. And they're damn good at their job. But I mean I've had I've seen it at work. I don't want that bloody Muslim doctor looking after me. I don't want that black doctor looking after me. How do people feel that that's okay? Seriously, how do people think, oh, I know, I'm just going to be racist, it's going to get me seen quicker? No, it isn't. It's just going to get you kicked out quicker, and it's something that we should not stand for. And the problem is, it is learned behaviour. It really is learned behaviour. There's an incident at my daughter's school where a kid said to one of the black students, oh, I don't like you, you got dirty skin. I mean, how, how could a six-year-old learn that? Where would they learn that from? Seriously. I mean, it's from the parents, obviously. And that's something where we need to make a change. I mean, I've, I've said to my kids, it doesn't matter people's skin, people's gender, people's religion. If they're nice to you, be nice to them. That's that's all that matters. So I hope you enjoyed it. It's a bit of a bit of a long babble, but there you go. Look after yourself, guys. Stay safe. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to me babble on. Your comments are all welcome and I appreciate you listening to me. Look after yourselves.